today is Pentecost Sunday. And so we're going to start with uh, what I think is a, a wonderful explanation of Pentecost. So let's let's listen here. What happened that day when the Spirit arrived, when the Holy Spirit came? What happened then? It got loud, loud enough to be heard all over town. Fire appeared, divided and dispersed to each of them. The outsiders came running and they heard the fire tellers tell of God's mighty works in their own language. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretans, and Arabians. The Spirit had come to describe the glory of God in their native tongues through those who followed Christ. These representatives of the world stood astounded but curious, bewildered but ready. Then Peter showed them from the scripture exactly what it meant, revealing God's promise to all who trust in Jesus. And many believed, and many repented, and many were baptized, and many were saved. The Spirit had come. The church was born. Isn't that a great summary of uh, Pentecost? Yeah. yeah, I love that. Wonderful. All right. So uh, let's see. Lori, maybe, would you uh, start us sure. in prayer today and we'll get underway? Our dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity that we have to continue to study Daniel and to apply it, um, all the lessons that we've learned um, regarding the captivity and the Jewish people um, during that time and then what else was happening in the world. We just thank you, Lord, for just um, each lesson as it unfolds. Thank you that Pastor Michael spends the time to um, learn this material and uh, we just pray, Lord, that we would hide the word in our heart and that it would um, continue to um, just uh, unfold um, in front of us as we understand uh, Daniel and uh, and the pivotal role that you played or that he played during that time of history. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. It is May twenty third, Pentecost Sunday. Uh, for those of you who uh, might get the joke, you know who Ed Stetzer is. He's um, now at the Billy Graham Center and. Uh, directs that at uh, at Wheaton, a brilliant, brilliant theologian and professor. Anyway, he said, uh, today is Pentecost Sunday, or as the Baptists call it, <laughs> Sunday. Did you see that? I've anyway. seen that. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty funny uh, if you think about it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's uh, let's let's get underway. Just a reminder: we will not be meeting next week. Uh, Lori and I will be in 
Florida battling alligators uh, and visiting our children and Uncle Craig back there. So we're going to have a couple days of uh, family time and uh, we'll be back in the saddle uh, next. We'll be at, uh, a week from yesterday, Friday. So we will not be here next Sunday, but we'll resume on June 6th. All right. So not next Sunday, the 30th, but we'll be back on June 6th. All right. Let's uh, let's continue. We left off around uh, Daniel 10 verse 12. And let's uh, let's begin with uh, verse 13 and then we'll we'll proceed. <clears throat> But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, remember who's talking here, is the person the angel identified as the messenger. And remember, we've talked about whether the messenger was a pre-incarnate Christ or Gabriel. Um, it's hard to have enough evidence for either one, so we're just going to take what Scripture says and identify him as the messenger. All right, then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. And while he was speaking to me, I looked down on the ground, unable to say a word. Then the one who looked like a man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing in front of me, I am filled with anguish because of the vision I have seen, my Lord, and I am very weak. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. And it's interesting in many times, I think, when we are at our weakest, that's when God teaches us some of the greater things that, that we learn. And it's at those times, I think, that we can relate to the Apostle Paul, who pleaded, if you remember, for God to take away the, <clears throat> the thorn in his flesh. In fact, he asked three times. And here was the response that God gave to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so this is one of those situations, I think, where as uh, God's people, sometimes when we're at our weakest point, when we're undone, that's the time that God does some of his greatest work in us and, and through us. And this is looks like that's what ha what's happening with Daniel here as well. Now, if you remember, we saw this played out in Daniel 10, going back to verse 18. Then the one who looked like a man touched me again. I felt my strength returning. Don't be afraid, he said, for you are very precious to God. Peace, be encouraged, be strong. And as he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger and said to him, Please speak to me, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. And he replied, Do you know why I have come? Soon I must return to fight against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, and after that the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece will come. So it appears, and I, I miss spoke there when Daniel, uh, no, right, we're still in Daniel 10, right? Okay. 
Got to have that third cup of coffee here. I'm I'm slipping. All right. Now, before we <laughs> before we go on, remember our list of empires in history. Yeah. There have been six great empires uh, of the world. Number one, Egypt. Two is Assyria. Three is Babylon. Four is Medo-Persia, and that's where we are right now. Five is Greece, and six is Rome. So at, <clears throat> at this time in history, Daniel has just lived through in his adult life the Babylonian Empire. But then the messenger says he's going back to fight the demonic spirit of the kingdom of Persia. And uh, the Medo-Persian Empire is what Daniel is living through now. And then the spirit of the demonic kingdom of Greece, which will defeat the Medo-Persian Empire through the overpowering violence of An Alexander the Great, all that lies in the future. So let's think uh, through this issue of how the messenger contends with the spirit of, king of the kingdom of Persia or the prince of Persia. Who is the head, the human head, of the kingdom of Persia right now? Well, it's King Cyrus. Think about how Cyrus decrees that the, the Jewish exiles may begin returning to Jerusalem to rebuild their temple. It would appear that the messenger's overcoming of the spiritual prince of Persia allowed Cyrus to see the light and to be used by God to bless his people Israel. So there was uh, probably this spiritual battle with this demon called the Prince of Persia that, that um, allowed Cyrus to be used by God to bless Israel. The devil doesn't want that to happen, obviously. And so he sent this very powerful demon of some sort called the Prince of Persia in order to prevent the messenger from getting to Daniel. Didn't want the messenger talking to Daniel. Yeah. For one reason, uh, the messenger is going to reveal the fate of the enemy. And the enemy certainly doesn't want people uh, knowing about that. So, uh, but, but the, on the other hand, there's also this issue of, of Cyrus apparently yielding to God somehow and allowing his people Israel mm -hmm. to leave their exile, the first mm -hmm. wave anyway, and return to Jerusalem to be begin uh, rebuilding, uh, rebuilding the temple. Now, first, there's this battle for Persia and then later for Greece. Both empires are going to fall. The Medo-Persian uh, Empire is going to fall, as will the Roman Empire, which will fall after the Grecian Empire. So each empire is, is, is going to fall. Now let's conclude with verse 21 in uh, chapter 10. Meanwhile, I tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one helps me against these spirit princes except Michael, your spirit prince. That's fascinating to me because it tells us that the archangel Michael is not only assigned to Daniel, but he's assigned to Israel. 
Michael is Israel's spirit prince, so to speak, from God, the angel specifically assigned to Israel by God himself. Now, while the, pra- while the phrase, your prince, <clears throat> could mean that Michael was uh, specifically assigned to Daniel, my read is that Daniel is standing there as a representative of his people Israel, of his uh, Jewish brothers and sisters. And so when he says, your prince, uh, I believe that what God is communicating through the messenger is that Daniel and his people, Israel, are assigned the archangel Michael uh, for their protection. And that's uh, not only fascinating, but awe-inspiring as well. And as you consider what Israel has survived throughout its history, in recent history, when you consider that the Jewish people survived the Holocaust, uh, initiated by Hitler, there had to be some spiritual interference there that, that prevented them from being exterminated. And I, from this, I have to believe that that, invi- uh, that involves Michael, the, uh, the archangel. Now, in chapters 11 and 12, and we're going to dip into 11 here in just a few moments. And by the way, we're going to end early today because Lori and I have to be at an appointment in Tracy uh, this afternoon. So we're, we're going to end a little bit early if, if you give us permission to do so. Even if you don't give us permission to do so, we need to leave early. So, all right. So in, chapter, in chapters 11 and 12, Daniel will receive detailed explanations of the future of Israel and the times of the Gentiles from where Daniel sit, sits around 536 BC through the Medo-Persian and then the Grecian and then the Roman empires right through the end of the tribulation period. So you see why the devil probably doesn't want this communicated to Daniel. He, because he knows Daniel will communicate it to Israel and it will survive through the scriptures. And so the, the devil is doing everything that he can to prevent that by sending this uh, very powerful dynamic, uh, uh, demonic presence uh, to try to hold up the messenger. And that's why Michael steps in to hold the messenger at bay, uh, to hold the uh, demonic uh, being at bay while Michael is uh, then released. Uh, so anyway, here we go. The history to come in chapter 11 is, is absolutely incredible. There are 45 verses in chapter 11, so it may take us two weeks at least to, uh, to journey through it all. So before we dip into chapter 11, let me just review what's happening. The messenger was on his way to see Daniel to deliver God's message. The enemy, knowing this, sent a very powerful demonic being, one of his angels, dark angels, to stop the messenger, to hold him up uh, in Persia. And he was held up for 21 days until the archangel Michael came. And essentially what Michael did is he relieved the messenger, whoever the messenger is. Uh, Again, it could be Christ, it could be Gabriel. I'm not convinced of either, so we'll just refer to him as the messenger. So Michael takes on this demonic 
presence, this very powerful demon prince. And Michael contends with him, holds him at bay, while the messenger then is released to come and deliver God's message to Daniel. And so that's what we're in the middle of right now. Michael is still contending with the, uh, the demonic spirit prince of Persia at this time. Now, as we begin Daniel 11, just to frame this again, one of the challenges for interpretation is knowing who some of these players are, knowing exactly who they are. For example, we just talked about the messenger. Is he the pre-incarnate Christ? Is he Gabriel? There's some evidence for both. We don't know. That's why we're just going to call him uh, the messenger. Uh, and then there's Darius the Mede. Who is Darius the Mede, who took over as ruler of Babylon right after the Persian king Cyrus and his armies with the help of uh, Ugbaru, the governor of Gutium, conquered Babylon in 539 BC. Uh, and remember what they did. Ugbaru and his forces, remember they dug a canal to uh, redirect the river Euphrates away from the north part of Babylon so the river would not flow under those fortified walls anymore. So the riverbed dried up, enabling Ugbaru's and Cyrus's soldiers to climb underneath the walls without drowning, since there was no water there. And they just simply popped up on the other side, on the inside of uh, Babylon, the city, and they took the city pretty much without a fight. And, uh, and so you remember that, uh, that scenario. So who's put in charge of Babylon itself? Well, he's called Darius the Mede. A lot of theories about who Darius the Mede is. Some say he was Cyrus. I don't think there's a lot of good evidence for that. Some say he was Ugbaru, uh, who led that contingent of soldiers underneath the walls. Uh, that's possible. Uh, there was a sense of that time in, in ancient times when uh, a ruler, as he would ascend to the throne, would take on a new name. So maybe it's Ugbaru becomes Darius the first. I think there's, you know, some pretty good evidence for that, but uh, but we don't know. So I'm going to just call Darius the Mede, Darius the Mede, and when we get to heaven, we can ask Darius the Mede who he really was. All right. So our rule of thumb has been. When we're not sure, we're just going to take the name that's given to us by Scripture. And I, uh, uh, I think that's why we'll just use the messenger and Darius the Mede. All right. That said, let's begin chapter 11 as the messenger continues his conversation with Daniel. He said, I've been standing beside Michael to support and strengthen him since the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede. That's very interesting. This further lends credence to the thought that the archangel Michael is assigned to Israel and that there were tremendous spiritual battles involved in the unseen dimensions when Babylon fell and Darius the Mede was put into place as ruler of Babylon. Uh, the messenger was assigned to support Michael in the spiritual battles that were raging when Darius the Mede started his rule over Babylon. 
So the enemy, the devil, Satan, had was really happy to have the nation of Israel, the people of Judah, uh, who had been taken captive, very happy to have them held in Babylon, because Babylon had a pagan religion. It was anti-God, and the enemy was more than happy to have the Jewish people in exile, ruled over uh, by these Babylonian rulers. So there was a spiritual battle over the fall of Babylon. It was just not a human effort. What we see here is that the messenger, whoever the messenger may be, stood with Michael in conducting the spiritual battles in the unseen places that waged as uh, Ugbaru and Adesiris, as the head of all the armies, overtook Babylon, defeated Babylon, killed the, uh, the king at the time, and, and God established the rule of Darius the Mede and overall Cyrus as the king of the Babylonian Empire, uh, a king of the Medo-Persian Empire. So there was a great spiritual battle going on here. Very interesting to me that the messenger stood apparently shoulder to shoulder in the, in the spirit realms to make sure that the battle was won by Cyrus and by Ugbaru in Babylon so that Cyrus could be placed in authority and so that he could issue the decrees that would free the people of Judah to leave their exile in Babylon and return to Jerusalem, first to build the temple, and then ultimately, and we'll see that a little bit later, ultimately to rebuild the city of Jerusalem itself. So it's not just the physical battles that were at work here. Daniel's being told there were tremendous spiritual battles as well involving Michael the archangel and this uh, messenger. Now, if you look at uh, verse 1, I've been standing beside Michael to support and strengthen him since the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede. There's a little bit of debate about who him refers to. I think in the English construction of the sentence, the re messenger is referring to Michael. In other words, we could read it this way. I have been standing beside Michael to support and strengthen Michael since the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede. There are others, though, that are thinking, well, maybe him refers to Darius the Mede. You'll see that in some commentaries. I don't think there's sufficient evidence for that. Let's read the sentence that way. It's very awkward, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So let's substitute Darius the Mede for him. I have been standing beside Michael to support and strengthen Darius the Mede since the first reign of Darius the Mede. Does that make sense to make sense to you? It doesn't to me. And I know we're translating, you know, the English from the Greek, but it, the, the structure doesn't make sense to me. So I agree with those who who would say that him in that verse refers to Michael. So we could read it this way. I have been standing beside Michael to support and strengthen Michael since the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede. Okay. Now, if that's true, why does Michael the archangel need help? 
Well, we've noticed in the past that while the devil, while Satan is very powerful, he's not more powerful than God. But remember before the fall that Satan was one of the most beautiful angels in heaven, one of the most talented, uh, one of the most powerful angels in heaven. And that's what led to his arrogance in trying to become like God and basically God uh, banishing him and a third of the angels that, uh, that he took with him. Um, the enemy's power is acknowledged by God's own armies. Now, remember that Satan once was this dazzling angel himself. So when Michael faces off, with one of the enemy's most powerful demons or one of his most powerful angels called the Prince of Persia. And when the messenger faces off with that same powerful demon, they need reinforcements in order to get by him. Isn't that interesting? So you see, angels are not all powerful. They have limits to their power. Michael the archangel, is not all-powerful. There are limits to his power. Only God is all-powerful. Only God is all-powerful. And uh, remember, Satan's power is not as powerful as God. But Satan does have a lot of, uh, a lot of power. And uh, we've been uh, given some good insight to this, this battle of good versus evil and the fact that even Michael, the archangel recognizes the power of the enemy. Let me uh, sidetrack here just for a moment and go to Jude one verse nine. But when the archangel Michael contending with the devil was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said the Lord rebuke you. So let's take a moment and fully understand what's happening here over Moses's body, because it gives us an understanding of why Michael didn't just nuke this, uh, this very powerful angelic uh, prince of Persia, uh, why he was not able to do that, and why he was only able to hold him off while the messenger was doing his job. Let's go back in history. Jude was talking in this section about false teachers and the apostate church, apostate Christians who were straying from their faith, and they became very arrogant in their theology to the point that these apostate Christians of Jude's time were slandering God's angels, and, and they were slandering the enemy's angels as well. Both are very dangerous propositions. In fact, uh, these apostates really had no use for angels at all, and they often scoffed at them. So to show the danger of the apostates' ignorance, Jude points out that even the archangel Michael did not slander the devil, nor his minions, when there was a battle over Moses' body. Remember, Michael, the archangel, was sent to bury Moses' body in a secret place. Satan intervenes, claiming that he has the right to bury Moses. No rationale is given for that, just the fact that the enemy claimed the right. So 
Now, Michael responds, he doesn't take on the devil. Isn't that very interesting? He doesn't try to defeat him. Michael understands the tremendous power of this fall, the head of the fallen angels, and he respects that power. Respect, by the way, in terms of wisely assessing it, not approving of it. So you understand my word respect there. It's not in awe of, it's not respect in terms of affirming, it's respect and understanding. Well, let me put it this way. I have respect for snakes when I see them. The summer snake has appeared by our mailbox. And so I stand a good distance away and I stare at him and he stares at me and he does his thing and, and just looks at me. I look at his tail to make sure it doesn't have rattles. And if it doesn't have rattles, I just leave him alone. But see, I have a respect for the snake because if it is poisonous, I have a respect for the fact that I can be severely wounded by it. I also have high respect for black widow spiders, which around here I encounter <laughs> somewhat regularly. Doesn't mean I affirm them or I like them. By respect, I mean I have respect for the fact that if I get bitten by one of those black widow spiders, I'm in deep trouble. And the poison entering my body can do great damage. So that's the sense I'm using here of Michael respecting the power of this highly powerful demon that the devil sent to hold up the messenger. So instead of Michael trying to uh, overpower and rebuke this demon himself, this prince of Persia, Michael does the same thing that he did to the devil regarding Moses's body. Michael appeals to God's power. And in both cases, he says, the Lord rebuke you. In other words, not my power, but God's power, God and his power, the Lord rebuke you. And notice that Michael puts the situation into God's hands, not trying to rebuke or overpower uh, this demonic presence uh, himself. So you get this in additional understanding of why the messenger was able to be detained for 21 days by this powerful demon called the Prince of Persia, and why the messenger had to call in, in Michael, essentially, to uh, take his place and hold this demon off while the messenger was able to get to, uh, to Daniel. So uh, again, I, I think it's, it speaks to the fact that there are battles, tremendous spiritual battles happening around us all the time in the spirit realm, in dimensions that we can't see, tremendous battles happening we may see some human manifestation of it. We may feel it. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where um, I sense, you know, the, the attack of the enemy, and I, I can feel the hair rise up on the back of my neck. Uh, you know, and that's the time when I just say, Lord, you know, need your protection and whatever this is, uh, I appeal to you to... Uh, to take care of it. All right, so it gives us an understanding of, of what, uh, what the messenger and what Michael were up against. So, continuing on, I've been standing beside Michael to support and strengthen uh, him. 
since the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede. All right. That's also a reminder, by the way, that God can, God can use anybody, right? He's going to use Darius the Mede. He's going to use Cyrus. Neither one of them are one of God's people, but he's going to use them to accomplish his own purposes. And that's just a reminder. We may think some people are ridiculous, and we may think that God can't use them at all. God uses non-believers. God uses the most surprising people in order to accomplish his will, his way. All right, moving on. We're going to be talking about now, and we're going to end here uh, pretty, pretty quickly. We're going to be looking at now the kings of the north and the south. So let's dip our toe into this today. All right. Been standing beside Michael since the first reign of Darius the Mede. Verse 2. Now then, I will reveal the truth to you. Three more Persian kings will reign to be succeeded by a fourth. Far richer than the others, he will use his wealth to stir up everyone to fight against the kingdom of Greece. So in the book of Daniel, remember, we see two kinds of prophecies from our viewpoint in 2021 AD. There are fulfilled prophecies, meaning prophecies in Daniel that have already been fulfilled. Many of them were fulfilled before the birth of Christ. But there are also unfulfilled prophecies, prophecies that we're going to read about that have been given to us, but they have not yet happened. They've not come to pass yet. They've not been fulfilled. One of those is the second coming of Jesus Christ. One of those is the tribulation period. So we see both the fulfilled and unfulfilled prophecies in, in Daniel. So let's uh, like, uh, take a look at these prophecies given to Daniel here, not all of which were fulfilled during his time, but they've been fulfilled and were actually fulfilled uh, before the arrival of Christ as a baby. Who are these Persian kings that the messenger refers to who will reign? Who is the fourth king who is far richer than the others who will use his wealth to stir up everyone to fight against the kingdom of Greece? All right, to review one more time, the six empires we've studied, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. All right, we're in number four right here, Medo-Persia. Babylon, the Babylonian Empire, has just fallen to the, Med, uh, the Medo-Persian Empire uh, under King Cyrus. Now then, I will reveal the truth to you. Three more Persian kings will reign to be succeeded by a fourth far richer than the others. He will use his wealth to stir up everyone to fight against the kingdom of Greece. All right, here are the kings the messenger is referring to. Here we go. One is Cambyses, C-A-M-B-Y-S-E-S. Cambyses, who is the son of Cyrus, by the way, and he succeeded when Cyrus died in battle in 530 BC. All right, so the first king is Cambyses, who uh, takes over for his father Cyrus. Uh, Cambyses ruled from 530 
which is uh, the time of Cyrus's death to 522 BC. Who comes in in 522 BC? The second king. His name is Pseudo Smyrtus. I would have legally changed my name. Yeah. But anyway, that's his name. Pseudo Smyrtus. <laughs> S-M-E-R-D-I-S. -E it sounds like one of those characters from the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit, doesn't it? Anyway, Pseudo Smyrtus. He reigned a very short time, only one year or less in 522 BC. All right, who comes next? Next is Darius I Histaspes. Darius I Histaspes. This is not the same Darius as Darius the Mede. You're going to see uh, quite a few commentaries, mostly not by theologians, that mix up the fact that Darius the Mede and Darius the First Hispasis uh, were the same person. They were not. Darius the First Hystaspes ruled from 522 to 486 BC. Oh. Okay, so what? he came after, uh, obviously, um, uh, Darius the Mede had uh, died as well. So not the same Darius. So mark that in your minds and recognize it when you see these other uh, commentaries. Darius the Mede, Darius the First, not the same Dariuses. Okay, nor Darius Crosby. That's a completely Darius. <laughs> All right, so Darius the first Histaspes, uh, ruling from 522 to 486 BC. And then the fourth, this is interesting, far richer than the others, who would use his wealth to stir up everyone to fight against the kingdom of Greece. Who is this powerful fourth king? It is Xerxes, and he is also known by another name that you may recognize, Ahasuerus, Ahasuerus, Ahasuerus. Who was King Ahasuerus? Well, King Ahasuerus, also known as Xerxes I, was the king who took Esther to be his wife in the book of Esther. Uh-huh. Right. See how it all connects? Isn't that fascinating? So he is the fourth king. So when we get to him, we also get to the story of Esther. And there are also some theories about who Esther was related to. I'm not going to go into that because it's going to take us down rabbit trails that are not provable anyway. I'm not going to go there. And we're going to end in a couple of minutes anyway. So that fourth king... And I've kind of underlined that and made a marginal note that fourth king is Xerxes I, known as Ahasuerus, who is the king that took Esther as his wife and made her queen Esther. And uh, if it weren't for him, we wouldn't have the book of Esther, although he was not what I would call a, a wonderful example of a human being and uh, you know, his, his MO was that he would have all these virgins gathered in the kingdom and he would, how do I put this, take them for a test drive. And then based upon, that was indelicate, wasn't it? Uh, 
but it's the best I, I'm trying to make a word picture here. And after that initial contact with them, they would be placed in a group and they would not be allowed to marry. And he would then, after he's done with all these experiments, he would look at that group and say, all right, that's the one I like the best. That's the one who's going to be made queen. And see, Esther was part of that, uh, unwillingly being pulled into his uh, trials there. She was, in fact, uh, raped uh, by the king, uh, not, not a willing accomplice there. And so anyway, she uh, got allowed that so that she uh, became queen and then God could use her. Uh, again, to bless his uh, people, Israel. And of course, Mordecai uh, enters into all of that. And, and we won't get into the book of Esther here, but just realize that the whole book of Esther ties into this verse in Daniel when he talks about the fourth king, uh, who is very powerful, very rich, and will wage war against Greece. And that would be uh, the king uh, who married himself to Esther and made her Queen Esther. All right, so the next, uh, when, when we meet next, which will be in, in two weeks on the 6th, we will um, be looking at the description of Alexander the Great. And again, we've revisited some of this earlier. And so this is, uh, this is kind of a, a good review for us in, in chapter 11. Again, there are 45 verses, so we're going to put the pedal to the metal on the 6th, get as far as we can. And uh, our goal is to uh, finish the book of Daniel, uh, the rest of chapter 11. And chapter 12 is much shorter uh, to finish that by uh, maybe on Father's Day, if not before. Okay. Any, uh, any questions about these verses? So we've got who the Kings are. We understand these spiritual battles that are being fought in the dimensions we can't see. Um, so now was anyone out? This is tangential. Were any of you out last night looking at the sky by chance around, Oh, late at night. No, I wasn't. Probably not. Well, only Pastor Mike gets asleep. up in the middle. Most of yeah. late to you, Pastor right. Mike. <laughs> yeah, How well. How do you define late? Eight o'clock or two in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm talking probably between 11 and, and midnight. I want to tell you, now, I got my Janssen one-shot vaccine yesterday afternoon, and I am fine. I'm experiencing no problems. I want to tell you what I saw in the sky last night. And I, the dogs were out with, I, the dogs had to go outdoors, which is one of the reasons I was up. I looked in the sky and I saw probably 15 to 20 bright lights in straight formation. And I looked up there and I thought, man, my glasses must be reflecting but i wasn't wearing my glasses i had my contacts in. and i'm looking at this and it was against i don't remember if this is the little dipper i think whoever big dipper whatever dipper it was i'm going wait a minute those 15 to 20 lights are moving they were moving in a straight 
row from south to north. And I thought, maybe they're stationary and maybe that vaccine had an effect. I didn't think it had. I sat there for five minutes and I watched those bright lights perfectly spaced in formation traveling south to north pass in front of the Little Dipper or Big Dipper. So I knew they were moving and in a straight row. And the, the weird thing was I was just finishing writing this thing about the battles that happen in the in the heavenlies and in the unseen places and i gotta be i got weirded out there for a minute and but i know they were there uh and you know i don't drink or take drugs so i am uh befuddled so if if you hear yeah so if you and, and they could have been air force jets perfectly spaced but they weren't blinking no, normally you know jets have strobe lights going but they again 15 or 20 in perfect alignment perfectly spaced moving across the sky mm. i thought well mm. okay UFO? god huh well i've heard a lot of conversations about ufos mm -hmm. and the reality of them recently so who knows? I, I would say though, those lights was attached to one object. That's an interesting theory. That's what I would think, because yeah. they're so evenly spaced and moving. They were, perfect, you know, perfectly spaced. So you know, it'd be like seeing the lights out of there. Right now, windows. I know the blue angels. Blue angels can do that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> But I mean, for 15 or 20 to be, yeah. so anyway, I'm going to be researching. I'm going to check all the uh, astronomy um, websites and see if there was some. I'm sure someone else reported. I, someone else had to have seen it. I was oh, hoping yeah. one of you might have. Uh, I, think you're if, probably, I wish I'd had the privilege of seeing it. Uh, well, and well, I would have recorded it. you live out in the it. country too. When yeah. you live out in the country like well, you guys, you see a lot more. I, I, wouldn't be able to see that's, that from where i live that's very true and i would have taken a video of it except that doesn't show up on an iphone i've tried taking yeah. pictures of stars and it just isn't all right so anyway uh you know forgive me for going down that rabbit trail but uh i did see it and i pinched myself to make sure that you know you right. were awake okay i was awake what did you say, John? Uh, their altitude. What do you estimate the altitude? <laughs> they. It was, uh, it was above the city street lights, wasn't it? Oh man, yes. Uh, John, I I don't know, but I would say I would say way above where jets normally fly. That's why I'm thinking if they were like army or air force craft they were way up there Fifty thousand feet or higher i would say so right. yeah way above think, what you know what i think i think it might be the russians <laughs> it, might be, it might be the russians <laughs> well uh... so many so many mysterious things have taken place in the skies 
And in the desert, in the desert, you see down by the Air Force Base there, out of Mojave, you see yeah. some things there that are startling, absolutely startling. And uh, But there are things that pilots and very competent people have seen that there is not an explanation for, yeah. including airline pilots and such. So right. I want to say, Mike, your study today was just uh, phenomenal. It, uh, there's just so much detail there and going back and forth. It just uh, was wonderful. Um, and, and uh, you know, I've never heard anybody talk about about uh, Archangel, the Archangel Michael, um, and, and the way you did, and understanding that. So we're really getting a wonderful study uh, from this, uh, and thanks to you for the way you do it. So that's all I've got to say. Well, John, yeah. thank you very much. Thank However... You. How do you know one of those lights didn't really kidnap Pastor Mike and put an imposter in his <laughs> mm. I can attest to it. <laughs> well, I guess Lori would know. Huh? <laughs> if anybody would. <laughs> she would know, yeah. Okay. No, it is me. It is me. All right. So uh, let's see. Any, uh, any questions before we uh, close today? Be safe on your way up to... Uh... Where you're going? Florida. Florida. Yeah. <laughs> we will be right, with our Florida. kids this time next week. Yes. Today, today you're going up to Tracy, and then you're going to Florida. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll keep that in prayer. Thank you. Thank All you. right. Um, and tell the kids. Tell the kids. I we will. all said. Hello. We will do that. We will do that. Thank you. <laughs> so, Anne, uh, after that weird ending to uh, our study, would you mind uh, restoring some sense of order here and closing <laughs> us in prayer? Well, I'm probably not the one to ask if that's what you want. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nobody has said I had any sense of order <laughs> uh, well, or any okay. sense. <laughs> Okay. Heavenly Father, we just, we thank you for today, and uh, we thank you for your word, and how um, it all uh, just works together, and we can see this great picture of history and future. Lord, I uh, thank you for the people that's here listening, and I um, pray that... Uh, hearing the word taught has uh, um, moved in their heart and mind and for them to know your power, Lord. Uh, Pastor Mike and Lori, as they travel to Tracy, keep them safe. And uh, whatever appointment if this is, it'll be a success. And uh, as they travel to Florida next week, that you'll keep them safe. And they'll all have a great time together <clears throat> and um, bring him back to us so we can hear some more of Daniel and uh, give you the praise and the honor, Lord, in your strong name. Amen. <laughs>